Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a voice. You've heard him in movie trailers, local and national commercials, narrations, and audiobooks. His voice makes you think, tremble, and laugh. We welcome my friend for over 20 years, Troy Duran. Wow. That that kind of introduction makes me feel like I need to uh, put on my DJ voice. <laughs> Troy, let's go beyond the mic. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Thank you, Sean. This is it's really cool when you uh, when you invited me to come on uh, come on your program. And then after some of the people that you talked about uh, interviewing already, I'm like, why do you want to talk to me? But I'll but I'll take it. Before we get to the fun times, let's talk about your past. You lived in multiple places: California, New Mexico, Arizona, Missouri. Mm-hmm. What had you moving around so much? It's radio. Well, I'm so when I was little, we moved. So the first time I moved to California when I was a kid, when I was just a baby, I wasn't a baby, but I was adorable. When I was about three or four, my dad got a job working as an offshore oil worker. And so we moved to Seal Beach, Hawaiian Gardens, uh, Huntington Beach. We just, that, that's, you know, that's where we had to live, you know, when he was working offshore. And we came back to New Mexico, but all I wanted to do when I was growing up, especially because I knew that I wanted to be in radio from the age of eight, as soon as I got into radio, you know, living in Podunk, Albuquerque, New Mexico, all I wanted to do was just get the hell out of Dodge. And I thought my next stop is going to be, you know, Los Angeles. I'm going to work in Los Angeles. I got close. I got a job in uh, Santa Barbara, California. And that sucked because you know what? In Santa Barbara, you are rich or you are poor. There is no in between. And so I was in between and it sucked for me. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, I was poor because like Santa Barbara, that's, you know, it's incredible. I moved back to Albuquerque, then got a job in Phoenix. And that was cool. I lived there for about eight years. And then uh, there was a uh, shakeup, like one of the biggest, if not the biggest radio group in the country was called AMFM Communications. And Clear Channel, another big group, bought AMFM. That was like when radio did a great big shakeup. My wife at the time, got a job in St. Louis working as a, uh, as a morning show host about the same time, the big news talk radio station hired me uh, KMOX. And so I've been, I've been here since 2000. Why did radio pique your interest? Was it the storytelling? Oh man. Radio was exciting. Like when I was a little kid, I remember like, and only people, only people as old as me will remember this. But they used to have these uh, parody uh, singles where there was a, a single called Mr. Jaws. That was like the big sensation. But somebody put together this parody thing. It was like a guy interviewing Jaws saying, hey, Jaws, do you know, I understand that you're, you're the scariest thing in the, in the whole world. What do you have to say about that? And then they would play like a clip from... Um, you know, from some song where it's, you know, it's like the, that, that old like rare earth song where they sing liar, liar, whatever. But those kinds of things were like, I mean, I didn't hear anything more exciting than that. And, you know, especially like, you know, the DJs were on there and they were like hyping up the songs and stuff. And I mean, I remember when I was six, I called the, uh, I called the DJ to tell him that my brother's, that it was my brother's birthday. And when that DJ answered the phone, I couldn't say a damn thing. Starstruck. Yeah, I was starstruck. He goes, you know, he goes something like, you know, KQEO, how are you? Who's who's calling? And I went, 
uh, 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 and he was, uh, and he hung up on me and I'm like, well, wait, 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 I have something to say. But uh, then my brother called back to let him know that it was his birthday and they interviewed him and I was so jealous. I remember like the very moment that I decided I wanted to be a DJ was um, my brother. We were on our way to school and my brother was in the front seat. I was in the back seat and my brother was telling my mom about this friend of his who worked at a radio station. And uh, he was, he was only about 12. So I'm guessing that, you know, his friend's mom probably worked at a radio station and, you know, she took him to work and maybe had him throw the trash or, or, or whatever, sweep the halls. And anyway, so when he was telling her about that, that, that was like the first time it occurred to me that you could be, you know, that you could make a living doing that. And I, I said to myself at that moment, at the age of eight, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be on the radio. So I used to, you know, I used to like lay down and put speakers next to my head and play my Kiss records. And I would like, you know, announce the songs in between the, you know, the songs on the record. I used to read every billboard as we were driving down the street. I'd read it out loud in my DJ voice. And so everybody hated me because, because that gets annoying. Yeah. So, I mean, I always, I always knew I wanted to be on the radio. So when did you get your DJ voice? Uh, God, I guess, um, I guess about the time that my voice changed. Like when it stopped, when I stopped, when it, hello, mom, you know, when it stopped doing that, then, uh, then it actually became a, like a real voice. So, so I was kind of lucky with that. Although when I, when I do talk, I, I always kind of sound like I'm making a, a DJ voice and I, I don't, it's, it's, this is me. Voice actor Troy Duran joins us beyond the mic. I want to hear the story about you being cut from the El Dorado Golden Hawks football team for breaking your nose too much. Oh man, that sucked. I really, that was the first time. So I wanted to join the football team because I had a crush on a girl and she would not, she would not go out with me. And then, you know, I had, I was bugging her and she's like, but do you play football? And I said, no. And she said, I only date football players. So I'm like, okay, I joined the football team. What I didn't know about football could fill a book about football. My team was the, uh, the state four quad a champion team. I was a junior in high school. If I got to play, I would be playing my senior year. Well, that happened to be the team that uh, Jim Everett had just, had just played on. So, you know, Jim Everett, who went on to be the, the quarterback for the Rams, uh, the, the LA Rams, it was that, you know, that team was the one that I was trying to get onto. But, uh, so anyway, we had to play an offensive position and a defensive position. Well, I wanted to be a tight end. I knew that. I knew that, that the tight end was the guy who caught the ball. And so when they said, you know, all right, so what, what defensive position do you want to play? And I said, well, if the tight end catches the ball, then the defensive end must be the guy who catches the ball too. And so I said, I'll be the defensive end. So I spent like the whole, everything, you know, from weight training to two a days to, you know, to all of the, you know, all of the drills, just getting my ass handed to me by these gigantic dudes. Like, you know, I mean, all the, you know, the running backs all probably weighed about 220, 230. And here I am, I weighed 135, 145 pounds. And so I was constantly getting mushed in the ground, but I broke my nose a couple of times. One time I, I broke my nose, like getting a, going up to catch a ball. And when I came back down, I, I came back down right on some other guy's head. And so that was, uh, 
that was the story. And I went like my, I went, Oh, I think I broke my nose. And like the guy that, um, you know, the guy that I fell on, he goes, get up, man. You don't want to see him. You know, you don't want to be staying on the ground, man. Show him, show him you're tough. So I like, I get up. I said, well, I think I broke my nose. And he goes, yeah, you're fine. And then I like took my hand away from my, my nose. And it was like under my right eye. So he goes, you better go talk to coach. And so I went to coach and I said, Hey coach, I think I broke my nose. And he said, Oh wow. Yeah. See if you can just kind of gently touch that and see if it'll move back into place. And I touched it and it went click right back into place. So, but I still, I mean, it was, it was clear that I, I sucked as a football player. They uh, kindly put me out of my misery after two days. So tell me, how do you go from competing in the national DECA competition to playing football, to becoming a voice artist? How on earth are you learning all of these things? What do you know? Who are you? Are you, are you really with the NSA? Everybody says that, but seriously, how do you go from talking about petroleum to being a voice artist? Man, man, that was fun. So I'll tell you the DECA thing was really cool. I was, uh, the first I had ever heard of DECA was I, you know, I just like picked an elective and the, the elective, it was marketing and distributive education. And I thought, that sounds kind of cool. And so I did that and they talked about DECA. And so DECA is called, is stands for Distributive Education Clubs of America. And basically you just learn like retail and market, you know, it, all the different parts of, uh, of the economy is what you learn. And so I chose petroleum because, you know, I mean, I, I, my brother had a Camaro and I, I helped I helped him work on it. So I thought, well, I know some stuff about cars. So, so, uh, so I took that and I don't know if like, maybe, maybe just all the people that were also competing in, in uh, that particular part of DECA just weren't very smart, but I won the city tournament. And then we went to the state, you know, the state championship and I won that too, just like hands down. And so the next thing, next thing I know we're going to Chicago. Chicago was awesome. Like I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then we go to Chicago, which, you know, the windy city. And, and it was so cool. It's not like the, you know, where it's, it's not like the, the most likely place to be shot. You know, it wasn't back then like it is now. So we go to Chicago. We're staying at the, uh, the Hilton. It's a really nice Hilton hotel. I can't remember the, uh, the name of the, of the hotel. Me and my buddy, Danny Schwed, we went like running around Chicago and guess what we found? Like right around the corner from where we were dead body better. The playboy thing. It was like the playboy studios in Chicago. So we went up there and we like, we went up to the, up to the playboy and walked up right up to the receptionist and said, uh, I don't remember what we said. We we're like, Hey, could we have a tour of your, of your studios? What are you 16, 17? Yeah, we're 16. I think. And, and my buddy, Danny goes, well, can we sit down in your lobby? And she goes, um, okay. So we did, we just, you know, we sat down in the lobby and watched hot, hot women walking in and out of that lobby all, all day. I mean, we, we was to stay there for like two or three hours, just like getting to see beautiful women walk in the, walk in the building. So that was like part of our experience. And then it's a, it's just a bad idea to put a thousand high school children in a hotel, especially up on the, on the higher floors, 
because it was just, I mean, it was like animal house. It was terrible. I can't, I can't believe that these people allowed us. We were filling up, uh, you know, the, the waste paper liner bags, fill them up with water and throw them out the window, you know, to hear them explode. You know, when they, when they hit the ground from 15, 16 floors, we got, we got drunk off our butts. It was just an awesome trip. And like, I, I made out with a girl from Guam who was also there for the, you know, for the competition. And then a girl from Wyoming, it was really, really cool. But suffice it to say the next morning when it's time to go to the competition, I was like hung over and worthless. So, I mean, nothing happened at, at nationals, but that was, that was a great, uh, I, I remember that clearly because I just told you about it. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. Troy, you can't avoid it is the Rocking Eight. Eight random questions answered with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Cool. Troy, what word or phrase makes you giggle and it's hard for you to get out right the first time when you read it? Kumquat. Who do you want to narrate the trailer of your life. Oh, easy. The voice of shadow from the American gods. His, uh, he's a voice actor named Daniel Oreskes. Amazing voice. I fan, I fangirl over him. I'm like, what's the best excuse you've given to get out of jury duty? Uh, nobody's asked me to go to jury duty yet. What? Yeah. Probably has something to do with that Chicago trip. What do your grandkids call you? Uh, grandpa. When you feel sick, what makes you feel better? Throwing up. You're on a jazz station in California, so so it's uh, your favorite jazz album of all time. Easy. Kind of blue, Miles Davis. Or Time Out by Dave Brubeck's quartet. That's kind of like, it depends on your mood, right? We would have also accepted Dave Brubeck. That's good. If you decide to get cremated, where would you want your ashes spread? I don't want them spread. I've already got this planned out. My daughter and I have a packed where after I die, she's going to invite all my enemies over to, to let them know that, Hey, you know, bygones are bygones here. Have, have a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee if you want. And she's going to stir my ashes into their cup of tea or cup of coffee. <laughs> it's already a done deal. It's taken care of. If my, by the way, if something happens to me and my daughter invites you over, number one, you'll know, Oh, wait a minute. I thought we were friends. And number two, don't accept the coffee. But you won't get the you won't get the car unless you want it. I mean, if you want to like take a little bit of me with you, then feel free. I mean, it's okay. I, w- I won't hunt you in a bad way. I'll just be like, uh, anytime something comes up that you say something wildly inappropriate, that'll be me. You'd be like, ah, damn it! I shouldn't have I shouldn't have ate that uh, uh, Troy ashes in my coffee. What's the one place you want to go on vacation and haven't gone to yet? Japan. Why? I think it's just a fascinating country. You know, I mean, it's, it's like you've got in these massive yet densely populated cities, you have like the, the pinnacle of technology. And it just seems like such a such like like New York on steroids. And then out on the countryside, you have the you know, this beautiful countryside. You know, life just seems to be just magical it's time for the back half with voice actor man you've heard everywhere our friend troy duran audiobooks have become a huge industry and you've voiced a ton of them with hot covers that catches the eye from accidentally yours to a torn page 
a fine necromant to boys over powers you've brought in your work from just reading commercials and radio promos. I, uh, you know, I never, I, I mean, I, I always thought it would be cool to uh, narrate audiobooks just because I love to read and I love to get paid and I love to talk, but uh, I never thought I would be able to do all three at one time. You know, I spent, what, 25 years in radio and I, I love doing commercials. I love doing narrations. I mean, all those things are, are fun to do, but God, what's better than reading an interesting, exciting story, you know, out loud and getting paid to do it. It's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really, it's just, just a kind of a dream come true. How has your business changed in the last five years? It's gotta be audiobooks. I mean, you know, audiobooks have been probably about 95% of the money that I've made with my voice. I have, you know, I have some, you know, I have some steady clients and I have some referral clients that come in, but you know, audiobooks it's just, well, you know, it, ta- it takes a long time, you know, between like reading and making the mistakes and then having to go back and edit out those mistakes. Uh, I mean, it takes, it takes quite a long, it takes probably about four hours to produce one hour's worth of finished audiobook. You know, you have to kind of like, you know, you, you have to want to make a living doing audiobooks in order to do that. Cause it's, you know, it's so tedious. It's, it's not like, um, you know, if a radio station sends you a promotion to read, it, it'll take you maybe five or 10 minutes to, to do that. If you're doing an audiobook, it takes, takes a good part of your day. How many audiobooks can you read in a week? I mean, full production and everything. Two, maybe three. Yeah. Well, actually that's, that's actually kind of a lie. So my part of that would be, you know, just reading it, but then I, I upload it to the producers and they're the ones who, you know, they take out my gagging sounds and the coughs and the screaming expletives because I screwed up on a line and, you know, all the disgusting mouth noises that you make when, you know, when you're, uh, when you're talking, probably some of the, some similar noises to what I'm making in your ears right now. But my part of the audiobook, like I'll spend a day or two doing, you know, a five, a five hour audiobook and then move on to the next one. So it's two or two or three audiobooks a week. This is something I'm curious about. Do you read just your portions or do you coordinate with co-narrators so you get the right tone? You, you know, you have to, so yeah, most of us work in different studios. You know, I've got uh, my, you know, my co-narrators are anywhere, you know, anywhere else in the country or even in the world. I do my part, they do their parts. And then the, you know, the producers are the ones who have to, you know, they have to put it together. They have to like EQ us so that we sound like we're in the same room and then they have to, you know, match the volume and all that, all of that stuff. So, I mean, the, the challenge is, is, is more for the, for the producers than it is for, you know, for the pampered voice talent. I know it's like picking your children, but what's the favorite book of all the ones you've read? I have, I have a few. There was a, uh, a horror, and, and strangely enough, this this one horror book. Well, so I just did a, uh, a it was an anthology to um, Romero. Um, what's the guy's name? John Romero. Yeah, John, I think it's John Romero, the the Living Dead. So they there was this uh, group of writers who asked me to uh, to produce a uh, this anthology that they all did in homage to uh, to Romero, and it's I think it's called like Undead Tales. That one was so full of these, all, all these horror, you know, horror stories. And they were, and they were all very like, 
if you've seen, you know, Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead or, you know, The Living Dead, you know, you know how those how those stories always end. You know, that's one of my one of my favorites. Uh, and then there's another another guy named Joseph Malik. And he wrote this amazing series of books. Uh, one of them is called Dragon Realm, Dragon Tears, Dragon Something. But it's, a, it's an awesome book. And it's about this guy who's like a fencing champion. And he's also a martial arts, uh, like an MMA champion. He gets taken back into another world because he's an amazing uh, athlete and, and warrior. But, and, and he, has to, he has to fight for real. Pretty amazing series of stories. Now, when you're reading a book, how hard is it to read something if you see an obvious typo or you see a phrase that you're just like, I'm not sure about this. Mm. No, I, I mean, I, the, when I, when I read it, I just kind of like, I look at it like it's, I imagine that, that Moses just handed me that thing on a, on a stone tablet and I don't, I don't change it because I know like there's, once it gets to me, it's been through like the writer wrote it, the editor corrected it the writer rewrote it the editor recorrected the writer rewrote it and then they sent it to another proofer and then it came to me and then so whenever whenever you buy a book on kindle oftentimes they they will sell you a thing called whisper sync and on kindle you can get it so that you know so you can read it if you want to or you can just you know push whisper sync and the narrator will narrate it to you well they have to be like exactly the same so when i when i read it i i read it as if you know as if that's you know that is exactly what i what i need to read and then you know sometimes they'll come back to me and say hey this this was a typo or i'll send them a a message saying hey i think i'm pretty sure that you know these tenses don't match up or this is a typo but i read it the way that you wrote it and they'll you know they'll send it back to me for a correction but i know that you know that means that they went back and they changed it You've given away a ton of books to your listeners. Why is giving away stuff important to you as an author or a voice artist? Just because, I mean, I, I uh, you know, like I said, I mean, so I've, I've worked for a living. Uh, I worked at a graveyard. I was a, uh, I was a lot monkey uh, sweeping parking lots. And uh, I mean, I've done, I've done actual work for a living. You know, this audiobook thing is just a joy for me. And so the fact that I've got people on my fan page who like what they hear and they, they enjoy my work. And so I feel like I, you know, like whatever success I have, I owe it to them. I thought it would be really cool to celebrate, you know, me reading 300 audiobooks by giving away some of those audiobooks that I give. And we, we also, we also gave, gave away some of the cool things. Like I gave away a pair of uh, Apple or AirPods. I gave away a VIP tickets with airfare and round, you know, like round trip airfare and hotel accommodations to uh, this audiobook convention that's going on next year in Chicago, a year audible subscription. So it was pretty cool. It was, it was really like, you know, when you buy something that you really, really want, you know, for, you know, somebody really important to you and you're like, you can't wait to give it to them. That's kind of the way it went for me. Like when I was like putting together this month of 300 and and all these gifts, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be so cool. So that was fun. It was more fun for me, I think. Now the pandemic didn't change your life. You've been locked in a studio for decades. (laughs) Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Like everybody's like, oh man, I can't believe that I'm, that I'm stuck here in the house. And I'm like, this is Tuesday for me. How did the pandemic change you? Uh, I think um, just in that, uh, like I realized when, when I realized how it affected everybody else, I realized kind of how much a, a hermit I became 
And I decided I needed to start getting out and exercising and, and uh, maybe trying to, trying to uh, socialize a little bit more when, uh, when things did break out, uh, you know, did kind of ease up. So what makes you happy on a daily basis? Coffee, whiskey, good bowel movement. Um, Jimmy John's, uh, my wife, our, our dogs, we have a new German shepherd puppy and he's just like a, he's a, like a little velociraptor, but he's, he's just uh, charming as hell. This is my favorite thing. So I've got to share this with others. You give a perverted voice to your Corgi, which ticks off your significant other. What's that voice sounds like? <laughs> yeah. That dog hates me. <laughs> uh, so I got, so my voice for Corgi is, and I got, and I got him because he's just like this, uh, it, it kind of it kind of evolved, but basically, so the corgi sounds like this, and he's always just kind of pissed off because he's just a pissed off dog, and uh, but he's a little bit perverted, and he uh, he has this um, this fascination for uh, for daddy's wife, and he loves her so much, and he wants her to pet her all the time, but mostly on the ass, but um, she doesn't like to do that, but that's okay. I'll just keep trying. How about for your German Shepherd? The other dog is, he's a German Shepherd. So, of course, he has to have his German accent. And that's what we talk like with when we say, hey, how about, um, how about I lick my own balls and then I will give you a kiss on the face? It's time for one big question with our friend Troy Duran beyond the mic. Troy, what's the one piece of wisdom from your life that everyone needs to know? There are no do-overs. Whatever is, whatever is behind you is gone and so all you can do is uh focus on what you're doing right now and the direction that you want your life to go a good friend of mine his name is mark mauer and his voice just the most amazing voice in the world he passed away to uh cancer and we used to talk once you know once a week maybe twice a month um but every time we talked it was like it was never a a 20 minute conversation. It was, well, it's like you and I, Sean, when we talk on the phone, it's like, it's never a, Hey, how's it going? Okay. I got to go. It's always, it always turns into like, you know, 30 an hour, 30 minutes or an hour. But that's what friends do. Yeah. Yeah. We would talk, you know, we would talk like about everything and nothing. We would solve the problems of the world and then get off the phone. And then we, you know, we, we talk maybe a couple weeks later after that. Well, I hadn't talked to him in a little while. And I was like, I was thinking, you know, I wonder what Mark's up to. I better, I need to give him a phone call this weekend or whatever. And you know, you know how things go, things get busy and you don't do it. Well, I just saw last week that uh, another friend posted on Facebook that, uh, that he passed away. And I just, you know, it was like a sucker punch to the gut. And I realized, shit, I'm never going to talk to Mark Bauer again. I really like, I really missed him, but I, so I never want to have a regret. So I would say that's, you know, that's, yeah, don't, don't have any re regrets. Do you, if you feel like you need to call somebody, call them, talk to them, tell them you love them. Well, you don't have to, you don't have to ever feel like you, like you missed out on an, on an opportunity because you know, you were not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Where can people find your work? You go to audible and search Troy Duran. That's one way to do it. You can go to troystory.net and that will, uh, that will get you to my page as well. He joined the football team because of a girl, spent time at the Playboy Studios. Don't drink tea or coffee after Troy passes. 
We thank our friend Troy Duran, voice actor, for taking the time to talk with us today. Sean, it was a pleasure. Thank you. It's a really good talk. I, I enjoyed it. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. <laughs>